Welcome to Art of the Float, where float centers thrive. I'm Dylan, your co-host from The Float Shop in Portland, Oregon. I'm joined by Gloria of Float 60, Drew of NH Float, and Kim of Sukino Float. We are talking about Groupon tonight, and it is a topic we've been burning to talk about. It's, uh, it's, it's a hot topic, but I also feel like there's a lot of information people don't have about it, and it's also a topic that there's a lot of misinformation about. So we wanted to delve into it. Drew uh, is going to really just give a history lesson on, on Groupon, which I'm really excited about. Uh, I plan on learning some stuff tonight as well. Um, the funny thing is that we decided to do this episode, and then all of a sudden in the Facebook group Float Collective, this Groupon topic just blew up, and it really was... It's like the Float Collective was on fire for about a week. Uh, it was a bit of a dumpster fire. It was it was uh, pretty... Um, odd to say the least and uh, a lot of mm, negative negative feelings i think towards groupon were, were brought up and, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later but uh interesting that that happened after we even planned to uh, do this episode so pretty funny before we get started, I just want to give a shout out to Float Helm. Float Helm is the software built from the ground up by Float Center owners, and it is going to help you run your Float Center from the inside. It's going to help your clients access your Float Center from the outside, so you can do scheduling uh, your employees, you can do float scheduling, you can do massage scheduling. Uh, it's basically this all-in-one online product that is extremely helpful. The Float Shop is finally switching over to Float Helm. It's been a long, long. <laughs> journey to fully switch over. We've been using it for years, but we're finally making the complete switch over because it just makes sense the way that they do it. Uh, it's cost effective and for everything that you're getting out of it, instead of using all these different programs, it's it's built into just one. And I'll cover all the things that they do over different episodes, but I got to say it just does so much. It's so valuable and we highly recommend it. You should schedule your own appointment to get a free tour with these guys. It's not like you just have to buy it sight unseen. Talk with the people who are behind this software and make sure that it's the right fit for you. Floathelm.com is where you want to go. Gloria, Drew, Kim, welcome. How are y'all doing this evening? Doing great. Doing great. Thank you. Good, good, great. Good. Awesome. Feeling salty. <laughs> nice. It's a salty <laughs> evening. Drew, let's just go ahead and jump right into it. Where does it all start? So as I was Learning about Groupon, I started just to kind of Google about Groupon as a company. And it was really interesting as I learned more about the original founder, Andrew Mason. Uh, his whole idea for Groupon wasn't actually an idea for Groupon. He was pretty frustrated about um, the contracts involved with cell phones. So he wanted to get out of that and thought gee, I wonder if there's a way to avoid that penalty when you get out of a contract, if we if we got together a bunch of people who wanted to get out of their contract so he could lower that price, which going back to 2009, 8, somewhere around there, I think those contracts were pretty expensive to break. And so he thought maybe we could organize buying power. So he started a website called The Point, which was a little nod to the tipping point which, um, you know, he, he did so that users could go on and gather themselves together. It wasn't him organizing, but it was a user-based platform where people could have an idea, go to that, the point and try to organize other people. Well, that particular website wasn't doing so hot. And he was actually, he's a smart guy. He was able to raise some investment money and, 
while he was having to answer to his investors, it was getting to a point where it was struggling. He needed to figure something out. And the main investor was a tech savvy guy who they noticed someone had started essentially a daily deal idea to gather a bunch of people, go to a restaurant and say, if we all purchase something from you, can we get it at a discounted price? So they took that idea and turned it into Groupon. Well, um, things went well. They started off uh, in Chicago and then slowly branched out into some other cities. And they had quickly learned that this was something that was easily replicable. So someone in Boston had gone to try to sell a Groupon deal and they, the restaurant guy said, you were here last week. And they said, no, we weren't. And some other company was there. And it, it happened fairly quickly because the barrier to entry was pretty easy. So as they were trying to, you know, get it, get more money, they got more investors, more and more money invested in it. They expanded to more cities. Eventually they investors who want their money back they're investing for a reason they expect a return so they wanted to sell or go public that was always in the plan was trying to figure out how to make a lot of money off of this so as they were getting ready to go public they had an offer i believe it was from yahoo first and they offered a a few billion dollars and then they went to google who offered them six billion dollars and this was as they were deciding, should we go public? Should we not go public? And I, I, I'd go with the $6 billion personally. I, call me crazy. Cash in <laughs> hand. I heard a saying Jeez. once, never turn down your first million dollars. <laughs> I haven't had that opportunity yet, but I can only imagine. Not, I would never turn down my first $6 billion either. Seriously. Right? So this is where, in my opinion, from what I read, kind of a little bit of greed. With, and this is mm. going back, you know, eight years, nine years now. So I'm sure things have changed a little bit, but as this started, they wanted more money. $6 billion wasn't enough. And what they were being projected at making in their IPO, the initial public offering when they went public, um, was a lot more. So it initially came in around 13 billion and they went public. They they definitely went public and decided, no, we're turning down the six. The same day they went public, it shot up to around $19 billion. They're all excited. Well, apparently when you go public, there's this 90-day lock-in period. So you can't buy or sell if you own those shares. Well, within those 90 days, Groupon tanked and it went below the $6 billion. So it was going at $28 a share when it first opened and then it went down real quick to less than half of that within the 90 days. So all these investors who had all these shares had to sit and watch as it just started going down and down and down and they couldn't do anything about it. So this is where I think, you know, uh, from what I was reading, it seemed like they were always kind of chasing that mistake where they were trying to get that money back. And they ended up teaming up with these three German brothers. They were these guys from Europe who would take ideas in America and they would replicate them in other countries that didn't have them yet. Mm -hmm. So they replicated Amazon, eBay, and Groupon. So they made that big over in Europe, which got them a meeting with Groupon. Groupon ended up buying them up for about $100 million. A lot of that was actually in stock. So they had enough of a chunk of Groupon that 
they were given um, responsibility and they took over the sales side of Groupon. They opened up an office in England, I believe, and then started running things from there. And it's really interesting to hear some of the ex-employees and some of the articles that I had read talking about how the actual philosophy of the company changed at that point. And it became about the, the bottom line. It became about aggressive tactics. It became about doing what's best for Groupon and making the most money. And I think that's an interesting point because one of the things that seems to frustrate people is the way that Groupon uh, tact, the way their tactics are in how they're trying to sell things to people. Um, but it, it is, I think, important to, to note that the company itself, they even after they went public, they were misreporting their earnings by almost half. And so they were, yeah, right away, Dylan, it, they... They reported $1.52 billion in revenue for the first half of 2011, which was right when they went public. But after the SEC questioned it, Groupon ended up in that September in 2011 submitting new documents. And their revenue ended up going from $1.52 billion to $688 million, meaning they were overstating their earnings by roughly half. So it's interesting that there's been these... That's before they met these... Germans, right? Like these were the original owners. When Correct. It went, and when it, so something was rotting before, you know, like it wasn't just them coming in. That's right. That's, I mean, imagine that's a sign that, to me that something was a little funny. And, and imagine that time they just turned down six billion dollars, oh, and yep. in ninety days they went from having nineteen billion to less than the six. So I can see where. You know, maybe drastic times call for drastic measures, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, and I think that kind of set the tone for how they operated as a company mm-hmm. and their philosophies on how they were going to do business. The over the over the years, things have changed. Though the um, original CEO, he that wasn't his thing. I, I believe he was getting ready to go to law school and he kind of stumbled upon this and it worked out for him. But mm. even after they went public in 2012, he was being named as worst CEO in America on some of the business lists. And he ended up having to step aside. So he went, he got bought out completely. I listened to a podcast with him and he admitted he was overwhelmed. That wasn't what he was meant to do. And he wasn't very good at it when he was doing it. Interesting. So they ended up um, replacing him. And I, I wouldn't say things got better. And the, over the last eight years, they've been trending down. And there's definitely been some issues with them as a company in their stock itself. Um, in 2018, their shares have fallen over 46% over the past 12 months which is pretty interesting. Um, Oh, and something else I'd like to mention. Groupon at one point bought Living Social, which is another daily deal company that they had, I believe was over a billion dollars worth of, they had gone public. Groupon bought them for $0. It just, in 2016, it, it, it kind of indicates that the daily deal market something was something's going wrong there something's not working the whole virtual coupon market something's not working for somebody if a company like that that was valued so high all of a sudden is sold for zero dollars yeah that's really interesting because you're you're talking about um you know kind of the, the tactics or like the 
kind of the um, the company culture, these things that might not be super awesome or ideal, but living social, maybe they went at it from a different angle and maybe they didn't, I don't know. Um, but they ended up in the same place of needing to, to bail and, and get eaten up. That's interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting. And it, I would also like to add that there's a lot of um, really smart business school people who were chiming in with their opinions on Groupon. And definitely one of the things that they seemed to think was that Groupon was never able to identify a, a market, a demo, the way that a Facebook or an Instagram can, where they collect information about you and then can very much target specific people. Huh. And Groupon is just kind of out there with everybody. They never figured out how to collect people's data so that they could market towards specific items towards specific people. So you just have people going online and seeing whatever the list is to decide, am I going to buy a Groupon from this or that with no real rhyme or reason to it. It's just the deal that they're looking for. Uh And also one of the things that they definitely talked about was that they felt like it wasn't something that everyone was winning. Everyone was, it was working for everybody. There was somebody who was not not getting a positive benefit from it, which was usually the um, store or the the seller of the item. And they try to compare it to, you know, it, at the end of a, a season when there's clothing, they do 75% off blow up sale for the end of winter clothing. Well, they're able to do that because they already made 90% earlier on and they're looking to dump inventory so they'll make a little less on what's left over and so they're not really losing anything on that on those products but if you go back to maybe a float industry there might be ways if you use Groupon in a traditional way where it doesn't work like that when you start looking at the numbers. I I had the very fortunate experience of working in the big data and data warehousing industry before I decided to be a float center owner. I know it's, it's very similar, right? Um, <laughs> Natural and, yeah. you know, it is interesting, Drew, that you bring up the, their lack of being able to understand their, their demographic. You know, that company has gone through many iterations, many different uh, leadership realms. And one of the things I remember uh, back in 2010, I believe it was, they really were pushing to better understand their customer demographic and really kind of take a look at how they segment offers because, you know, they just used to flood people's inboxes with random emails that didn't have offers that were relevant to their preferences. So they did, you know, maybe start that way and recognize maybe they got some feedback from investors. But, um, you know, I thought that they did a good job kind of reinventing themselves when they when they went through that phase. Mm. Um, but yeah, now the company is completely different. I would say that, you know, Chicago is my hometown and they're in my backyard. So we have plenty of executives who have come through Float 60, mm-hmm. which is kind of crazy. So I have a, you know, a love hate for the whole uh, Groupon relationship. But for the most part, and I can talk to this whenever you cue me up, Dylan, <laughs> you know, you do have to find a way to bring clients in in creative ways when you're a business mm-hmm. owner of any type. And I look at them and look at them, how do I use them to my advantage while not falling into their traps, right? So you have to really be diligent on how you structure your pricing before you even talk about discounting, right, on any deal site. 
And um, yeah, it's, it's just interesting to see how it's ebbed and flowed with different leadership and, um, you know, certainly the feedback in the market and how they've evolved has been interesting as well. You know, I mean, talking about the evolution, the evolution of what a Groupon is has changed a lot as well. I mean, we can always say it's, you know, 70% off, 50% off, whatever, but it used to be sell 2000 of this item. When the float shop opened, we opened selling, I don't know, something like a thousand. I don't remember how many floats, but it was super exciting. We're refreshing our browser constantly. We're seeing how much money we're going to make. It was really cool. And by the way, it did pay our rent. We were out of money. Uh, so that actually, to some degree, helped. The fact that it's a lump sum and then people are floating and you're not getting paid you know, any more money, that, that's, that's scary. We can go into that later. But what it looks like is a lot different these days. Uh, it tends to be, um, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, um, but it tends to be more, uh, you know, sell 200 this month, 300 or, or, you know, increase it during the summertime to make up for lost revenue, decrease it during wintertime. You can work a little bit more with Groupon and have these kind of ongoing drips throughout the year as opposed to one giant flood, which I, I don't even know how restaurants operate. Uh, you know, like I don't know how they make money. Because as a float center owner with like how we do things, that makes sense to me with consumable goods. Uh, it really doesn't make any sense. So if I'm making cupcakes and I have ingredients, ingredients go bad. Um, I'm dealing with all that already. But then um, I sell a thousand Groupons worth of, I don't know, a dozen cupcakes each or what have you. Having all of those people come in and completely, completely eat up all of my resources. I, I, I don't know how a business like that could function. But I think a float center is a little bit, little bit more resilient in that in that sense. Maybe you know it depends on mm. your capacity. It depends on mm -hmm. your seasonality. It depends on how new you are, how established you are, how many people are in your market. Um, you know, for for us in Chicago, because we have such a pool of people, we're constantly in this customer acquisition mode, right? So, and I've talked about this in other podcasts, but we have leveraged the power of their impressions not to get revenue from Groupon. Like, I think that's the number one thing, Dylan. You said this, and if there's one thing I've always consulted with other clients about is you should not look at Groupon as a revenue-generating function. You should look at Groupon as a marketing expense. Yes. And if we reframe our thinking and control that capacity on the number of deals and work it within your system, then you're in control of the situation. But if, if you're depending on them to pay your rent, which is by the way, nice, right? That you can do that and that outlay cash, but, uh, but get some but, type of benefit. You right? know, I should, yeah. <laughs> a few, a few things about that one yeah. is we knew nothing about marketing or running a business. So yeah. we were flailing. We had two float tanks operational and needed to open to survive to, right. to we right. needed revenue. So that in a desperate attempt that happened to work for us and, for and many I'm gonna, people, yeah. sure. Uh, just one more thing. And, and the, the problem is if it works, you can get hooked on it and want to keep doing that. And that I think is, is a problem, but I just want to also back up real quick and say, um, it is possible. And I, I know Drew wanted to talk about this as well is to get a different split than just say at the standard 50, 50 split. Um, we were fortunate enough that living social existed at the time. So I was able to lie to each of them and say, you know, <laughs> Groupon Living Social believes in us. They came into our center. They want to give us X percentage. And then Groupon will say, well, we'll match that. And then I said, came back and said, 
and, and living social, I would tell them that and they would always say, no, we're not, we're not budging. But I would go back to Groupon and say, you know, they said that they were going to match that too. And they're going to do, you know, this web presence for us or what have you. And, and we ended up working it up to a really nice percentage split for us. So just a little bit more background about why that was beneficial to us, even in our flailing birth of not knowing anything. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. I was looking at Drew. Drew, you look like you were yeah, chomping, Drew's at, the chomping at the bit. We're so, all chomping at the bit. And I think that's it. I think that's important. What you what you've both touched on, the different variables that go into your particular business, uh, the costs, the numbers, the um, competition, who's using Groupon, uh, mm. understanding. Dylan, you even said it. You knew nothing about business. I think. I think as an industry, there's probably a lot more people who float for the first time and decide to open a float center mm. than people who go to a restaurant and decide I'm opening a restaurant, hmm. right? It, there's, this, there's this <laughs> entry where people, so many people, I floated once and wanted to open one. It yeah. was awesome. I'm, I'm into this. Whether you have any business experience or not, people are doing that. And I see that on the float collective. People will ask questions and it's like, whoa, yeah, you didn't know that before you opened a float center. That's one of the research things that you probably should have done. And it doesn't make it impossible to do, but it definitely makes it difficult. And when you get in not knowing anything about business, you might see that quick cash and think, this is great. I'll get all this money and forget about, oh, these people have to come in and float and take up tank time. Yep. And eventually I have to get more money than what I got from those Groupons. Absolutely. I mean, I couldn't agree more on that. And, you know, the pricing strategy is so important that you don't just drop your your shorts, if you will, and <laughs> discount so deep that you can't really recover from that. Right. So, um, you know, we take a unique strategy that I, I know a lot of people don't do it this way. And we just have to price our regular floats a lot higher because we are in the city. Um, so, we do something that's unique. And I don't know, Dylan, if you wanted to cover some other stuff before we go into this, or if we could go right into how, first of all, I wanted to ask Drew, have you guys actually used a Groupon deal or you just, I know a lot of people just stay away from it completely. Never used it. And okay. only one place within two hours of all the places around had been doing a Groupon and they're the only place that isn't in business anymore. Okay. Coincidentally, okay. but no one's using it out here. So I don't feel the need to. Yeah, that's that's great. You're you're, uh, you're lucky. I, I'm also lucky because in Chicago, um, there weren't a lot of float centers, right? So now there's more entries in the market. And my concern is price preservation and you know not getting into those pricing wars where things like what happened in Seattle or um, Canada. I don't know where else it's, it's happened. I know Dylan talked about that briefly, but um, the pricing strategy has got to be protected. Your pricing and how you present your offer has got to be really thought through. And like you said, Drew, you have to factor in the cost that you have to run a float, right? Before you start coming up with an offer, you never let the Groupon guys come up with your offer, ever. Never, ever. Right? Can right. I restress that? Like, <laughs> never, ever. <laughs> and, and, you know, they'll definitely try to do that, but you have, you're the business owner, you have to take control and make it work within your, your strategy. And the other thing is we love Groupon people who come in because it gives us an opportunity to convert them. Yes. And I know this is, 
like flies in the face of a lot, how a lot of people think. But when we have a Groupon person come in, who's already bought that offer, we automatically try to get them to purchase our first time float, which is discounted from the original price. Right. And you can only use that that one time, whereas your Groupon you can use anytime. So we price our Groupon just above, sometimes at, but just above the lowest price we offer in the store. And that way, when a person comes in, we say, great, we can put your Groupon in your account, but would you like to use your first time float today? And oftentimes they'll say, oh, it's like, you know, kind of getting two deals or the answer is yes. And then we'll automatically kind of close them for that second visit, which you really want to do in the float industry, because as we know, it takes a couple of times for people to even get comfortable in there. So I think if you do it that way, it, there there is definitely value, but it's it's uh, not always that obvious, right? When you're actually setting up these deals. Gloria, can I ask you to talk a little more about what costs you consider when you are considering your pricing or what discount? Like, how are you looking at that? Do you, are you looking for a certain amount back? Are you comparing it to just your rent? Are you looking at a lot more costs? Yeah, I look at everything, actually. I take a whole, you know, the whole, and it's based on the different location because there's different costs. Obviously, it's less expensive for me to operate in Indiana. But believe it or not, we, we run the same deals. We run the same pricing strategy. Um, but yeah, I look at all the expenses and basically say, I never want that customer to pay more than what they would pay the group on for their first time, right? And vice versa. I would never want the first time float to be less than what the group on is. And that kind of protects me, even with the discount that we have to pay group on. And that's another like nuance. When you think about the group on fee, you don't think about it as paying them, you know, them taking their cut. You think about it as a marketing expense. So you, you just kind of reframe that thinking and then it makes more sense, right? Um, but again, not for everybody. It might cause complete chaos to say this and no. you know air this show, Dylan. But. I should. I should hope not. I. I am now. I'm like God. Let me talk, please. I, not yeah. to even add anything new to just champion what you're saying. Both understand your cost per float. I think that is so undervalued in the industry. It's there's a um, just kind of a lack of education on it. It's so important to know how low can I sell a float for? Yeah. And you can still give away floats for free. You can still donate floats. You can give floats to veterans. You can do all that. But that has to factor in to your cost per float. That then bumps up yeah, how much exactly. you can uh, pay minimally for your float. Dylan, yes. can you speak a little more to that cost per float? What does that actually mean when, <laughs> yeah. it, when you hear cost per float? It, it, it's, it's, it's overwhelming, and I, you know, we could do a whole episode on this, to be quite honest, to yeah. really break this it down. Ask, actually answer your question directly. Dude. There's like <laughs> 50 <laughs> things, right? I mean, we could, let's rattle them off. I hope you got some time, Drew. Yeah, I mean, but it's like, everything like, that it takes to everything. run the business, right? That's right. Yeah. From electricity to insurance to yeah. employees, staffing, mm-hmm. everything. Yep. Everything. Everything. And you can break that down to how much it costs you per day, as well as per month, as well yep. as per quarter, per six months, right? Yep. Per hour. That's, you know, you could break it down per float session available, right? You've got 35 floats a day. Potentially, you could do 135th a day and then come up with your cost, right? So it's, it's absolutely everything. And your cost of advertising for other things that you're paying for as well. So all of your marketing expenses... You mentioned insurance, which I'm glad you did. That's a huge one. Um, yeah, everything from your rent to your employees to your uniforms, everything. 
Knowledge is power, and knowing all that information is very important. It totally changes. It changed our game at the float shop between Sandra and I. Sandra's co-owner of the float shop. My wife, in case anybody's listening to it for the, for the first time, uh, it completely changed our confidence and being like, hey, can this person get a special deal? You know, our uh, employee will reach out to us and we'll go, yeah, this is the price. You know, that is, that's the lowest price we can do as like the best, uh, I hope this doesn't sound terrible, but like doing you a favor style, that, that's as yeah. low as we can go. There, of course, there are other circumstances, and we do donation-based floating for uh, anybody going cancer treatment, for example. So, like, there there are exceptions, uh, but uh, that's, um, it's like when you're feeling confident, your your back is a little bit straighter, and you're feeling good. That's what it feels like to be a business owner, knowing your cost per float. <laughs> for right. me, for us, yeah, absolutely. Um, the other thing, and um, Gloria, I think you'll you'll agree with me on this one, is that. Actually, actually, before we were talking, you mentioned if you take away the stigma about Groupon or where they're coming from, if 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 you uh, believe everybody about the personality they have, or even the rep that you're dealing with, if if they're feeling skeezy to you, or maybe they're really cool, you you can have all these different feelings about the business, but the brass tacks is they provide a very specific service that is very transactional and everything is agreed upon on paper, which really puts you in a place of, um, if not complete and certainly not complete control, but very good negotiating place of what you're going to get. And so I shouldn't say gun guns are very, um, hot button at the moment, but just like any, any tool, um, like a, a knife can be used to hurt somebody and it can be used to put bread, uh, butter on my toast. So like it, it is simply a tool and it, it depends how you want to use that tool. And, um, for example, at the float shop, we sell 100 Groupons every single month. And 100 seems like a lot when you might first think about it. We do have four float tanks and that we could do um, 100 floats. Is that like a day or two's worth of floats? So, you know, uh, a 30th of what we can do per month is being sold. And then only about 50 to 70 percent of those people are actually coming in and using their Groupons as well. So, um, oh, and just as a quick aside, uh, so I wouldn't know when to kind of segue this in there. Um, there do seem to be two different agreements out there with Groupon. And the one that we got locked in with is you do get the money that is not. So um, if somebody never shows up, you still get that money. I have heard that they don't want to do that anymore. If they don't show up, you don't get that money. I hate that. That seems I, I, I do get it from their perspective. Don't get me wrong. But um, that really, 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 really cuts into uh, the the revenue that, that you'd get from that. But anyway, I'm just going to toss that part out there. Um, did somebody want to say something to that? I, I will add, as you're <laughs> thinking about this, one of the things that I always say is we want people to find us on their own. They don't find us on their own and they find a group on first. We don't want them to buy the group on and we want them to then come find our website, right? The fewer transactions you have on Groupon that come to your website instead, the better, right? So again, it's a, it's a change in thinking because a lot of people are like, oh, I'm not selling as many Groupons. Well, you know, if you're still filling your tanks somehow, what is the, what's the downside of that, right? Because now you're not giving a portion of this to Groupon, right? Mm -hmm. So they, I know a lot of the scandal is around search engine and, you know, Google ads and 
AdWords and stuff. And yeah, that kind of stuff you have to be completely on top of. And you can negotiate those things. You can say, Hmm. do not put me in your Google search, right? But naturally somebody will, you know, inadvertently run into it anyway. There's there's many ways that that could happen. Um, But yeah, I think we always tell... this is another thing that just made me think of it. I once uh, that's heard, why I love this show. Please. I once heard one of my staff members say to somebody, you can buy a Groupon. And I, I, I think my hair on my, my Dude, arms just stood up. Yes. And my back, it was like somebody pulled a knife on me. And I'm like, don't you ever say that again. The we hair will, on my back stood up too. You, yes. You never. <laughs> and then I've seen businesses that have a sign at their desk that say, find us on Groupon. And I'm like, what the hell is the matter with you? Take that down. Right. So if you have the customer in your sites, give them the match the Groupon. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So I've basically trained everybody I know to never buy from Groupon for any business, call the business and ask them first, do do they have a deal? Will they match the deal? And that way the business gets the whole share, but people don't understand that. Right. So um, employees I get, but that's interesting that businesses would, would tell you to go to Groupon. That's, have you seen it? I haven't. Uh-uh. I, I saw it recently. Kim's nodding yes. Wow. I, I've seen oh, that recently. as well, and I do think that speaks to getting involved with something and not really knowing much about it. And I, I think when you're good. struggling and you're, you're maybe a little desperate and, you know, when we've opened our doors, we were down to our last couple hundred dollars too we needed to open and i think a lot of people that's a a similar story so when groupon comes walking along with their bag of gold Mm -hmm. in front of your face saying we're going to get all these people in and sell it it's easy to say yeah let's do that Mm -hmm. without thinking about the seo about maybe i can get a different split so i think if there's some some things people take away from this it's that you can be in the position of power and negotiate these things and i wonder when people get upset about Groupon, are they thinking of it from a 50% discount and then 50% split on top of that? Have they tried negotiating and and doing something different with Groupon? I'm not really sure, but I definitely think a lot of people aren't looking into it and researching it and learning these things Mm. that you've just spoken of. Yeah. And I think it's dangerous. You know, we, we talk, I don't, I, I don't know if you were in this conversation, Drew, but when we talk about like in, uninviting them to the, the flip conference or different, mm. uh, to me, like education is key, right? Mm. So we have so many people, to your point, that come on the flip collective and have no idea what they're getting themselves into. I feel like having both sides of the conversation transparent is very impos- very important. We need to have some kind of education on you know, what this means, what this could do to your business, the positive and the negatives, and let them have a conversation with their, with their rep. Now, not all the reps are ethical, apparently. I don't know all the reps, but, um, but, you know, I certainly don't condone any of that bad behavior that comes down from pressure from above or whatever, but, you know, their jobs suck, <laughs> right? And um, if, if you want to really just have a conversation, nobody's going to bite, just have the conversation, you're always in control to say no, right? So that might, again, fly in the face of other people's opinions, but I, I feel like just kind of taking that away as a resource and, and, you know, banning them might be a bad thing too. I don't know. What, what do you guys think about that? I'm trying to like press buttons on this podcast to see like 
you know. <laughs> well, I I posted the post about banning them from the flow conference, and That's right. That's right. I'm the you one did? who actually sparked that. I did, I did, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> it, uh, since we're kind of this opening up, I've received. I, I know I'm on a schedule. I, there's a tickler that pops up, and I get a sure. new salesperson that yeah. reaches out to me. It's right. It's the it's very um, on time. Yeah, it's right? Salesforce.com. Yeah. Yep. So and, and I've had a job like that. I know how it works. But I keep telling them very specifically. I started off nice, then I got mean, then I got meaner, and now my head was ready to explode with the fact <laughs> that you keep bothering me. If you were driving, if you were walking up to me at my business, coming around this much, and I kept telling you to go away, <laughs> I could go to the police and say yeah. these people keep bothering me, yeah. and they would tell yeah. you to stop bothering them. That's interesting, yeah. Yeah. right? But There's because it's digital, stuff. yeah, and yeah. and because it's digital, it's easy to shoot off an email. You just keep shooting off emails. Or picking up the phone and keep calling, and I had had enough. I, I I was at my wit's end about that, and I I do not mind. We live in a world where you don't know unless you ask. I I get that, and I think that that's sales one hundred and one. You have to call and say, "Hey, are you interested in this?" And you need that person to tell you no. And if you don't give a clear no, then they will keep following up. It's but when amazing. I feel like yeah. I give multiple clear no's and you still take time away from my busy day to tell you no in another way. I was furious about that. And it's it's not so much about Groupon as it is the tactics that these salespeople are using. And Mm -hmm. that's where I think a lot of frustration and maybe even within the flow collective, I think that's part of the frustration is these tactics that are being used and the not taking no for an You're not going to convince me to do this. And I feel like they're trying to convince me. And that's where um, I have a problem with that. And I had gotten a list at the last um, flow conference and it had everyone's contact information, including Groupon. So I had assumed that Groupon had that list also. So that's where I thought it came from was a rep who was at the flow conference because he did reach out to me. I told them no, and then another one reached out to me, and I had had a gap where nobody reached out to me until I went to the flow conference, and then it started back up again. Interesting. So, and that's where I kind of came from. I feel like it's an easy, they pay the fee, they have all these leads. That's what I was mm-hmm. thinking was happening. Ashcon got on there and said that they didn't get that information, but that's what yeah, I, that's where I was coming from. I saw that list. Group, I thought Groupon got that list as well, and I thought, why are we just handing them all of our information let's make it work for it a little bit totally makes sense i mean that and i'm so glad that we're not doing that anymore because you know it is confidential information you don't want to just shoot out emails but yeah i mean when it comes to slime ball tactics and aggression and things like that absolutely it's just not cool right um but i got the same thing with a yelp rep that just doesn't take no for an answer then they'll call Mm -hmm. from those robocalls numbers that have the same prefix in your area code and you pick up the phone because you think it's your kid's school or something and you know i've I've, my italian has come out on those (laughs) reps for sure (laughs) so but you know again if we if we control the Mm -hmm. relationship Mm -hmm. or just ignore it if you choose not to be in it um you know if you have to file a restraining order you do that (laughs) Right. But yeah, yeah, I I could definitely see both sides of that for sure. Yeah. I, I only want to work with people I enjoy working with, you know, slime balls turned me off so much. Fortunately, you know, eight years ago, I actually loved my Groupon rep. I, she was so cool and I was sad to see her go. 
I have not said anything but one sentence to any other Groupon rep since then, which is, we're good for now. Thank you. We'll reach out yeah. if we need anything. I haven't spoken to a single one, um, despite the pressure. And by the way, just a little rip on Yelp. God, they emailed me saying, I, I forget what it was, but something like, you know, I heard that you were, weren't happy with your sales or, you know, to follow up about talking about your lack of SE. I, I don't know what they said, but I said, can you show me this? email or when we talk about that and I haven't heard from them since but I'm sure it'll, it'll all start up again anyway sorry that's just well I, just, I'm, I can't I'm stand that stuff the topic of all sales reps right and I used to be one in the IT industry so I you know I use slime I ball right but um <laughs> I had one the other day this is unrelated to Groupon but it was about a week ago and the basically the opening line was I've never heard I'm surprised I've never heard of you Okay. God. So it was like this entry, this intro that was like, I've looked at your website and I can't believe me and my colleague have never heard of you. And I was just like, and then, and then he mentioned something about knowing somebody that's opening up a float center in another state. And I knew exactly who he was talking about because it was somebody in um, Austin, Eric Anderson. And I reached out to Eric Anderson immediately. And I'm like, do you know this guy? What's his deal? Can he handle some shit? Because I fired back at him with a really smart ass, like, oh, I'm so sorry you've never heard of us, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, just kind of like fished it back. We ended up, I ended up taking a meeting from him only because oh, wow. of Eric. He's a great guy. Um, had a meeting with him today. So I think sometimes we can coach. Oh, interesting. Coach these salespeople who are just mm-hmm. completely potentially Desperate. out of line, right? Uh-huh, I mean, uh-huh. <laughs> just call them out, right? I mean, I've, I've got a sassy mouth. I can fire back pretty, pretty good. I know that's shocking to you guys, but um, yeah. again, we're in control of the relationship. These guys are trying to make money. For the most part, you know, all these companies out there are are just using these crazy drip campaigns and right, you know, triggers to just fire emails out automatically. I mean, there's software that just does it without them even thinking. They don't even have to do anything. It's just yeah. scheduled for the next Besides your year. name, nothing's personalized. Yeah. yeah. At least so, when it was print, you could see where they stamped your name. Yeah. You know, they had the preformatted letter right. and they stamped your name. Yeah. I missed that. So I think, I do want to just put it out there that we are not saying go one way or the other. We're just talking about our personal experiences and how we do or do not use Groupon. And, you know, if the skis ball at the front of the company, if that's the face that they want to put out and that turns you off, then, then don't use them. There are other ways to market. I think that's completely fine, good and healthy. And if you're bringing in people into your float center, great, do it. Um, one final thing I wanted to mention is that 5% of our revenue is from Groupon. So, uh, those 100 people who come in every month, uh, represent 5% throughout the year. So it's, it's not even, like like Gloria said, it's not about the revenue. It's about that person walks in with a little uh, icon above their head, you know, a little the shoulder shrug emoji above their head. Like this person doesn't know what this is, but they're curious. And this person might um, be built into a long-term customer, which we have many long-term customers from Groupon. Uh, we similarly um, build, the, we have a thank you card. We talk to them at the front desk about if, if they like this, um, how they can continue to get a deal. So we kind of want to grow them into a full paying person. So sure. you know, they start with the Groupon deal and then they spend about the same amount for two more floats. And then it's time to talk about a membership at that point. So they never actually have to pay a, like 
a la carte full price flow right. there. Because if you want to say Grouponers are just the deal seekers, great. We got a great deal for you. That's great. If you yeah, enjoy this, yeah. we have a great deal. Um, and by all means, if they just want the one bucket list experience, that, that's cool. Um, maybe if I was a two float tank center, that would be too risky for me. Um, but with a four float tank, or if you have more than that, I feel like I have that kind of give where yeah. um, that, that doesn't feel like a burn to me. Drew? Dylan, do you have any restrictions around those 100 people? Can the same 100 people purchase each time? Is it just for new people? Are there any, is it Monday through Friday when they can float? Are there any type of restrictions on it? I've never wanted to do the the type of day they can use them restriction. Um, we do say, uh, you know, I can't remember if it's two per person, but it's certainly a one time only. You, you can't do it every single time. We've had people do that. And, and again, and even when we are two float tanks center, we just ate it. And uh, I will admit, you know, there's very little that will make me feel ill of a customer. I can always just get into customer service mode and, and I'm serving you. But I did start to feel yucky about that and have some resentment about people using those over and over. Um, I think we did talk to a couple that was doing that a long time ago and they ended up never coming back. I don't know if it was because of the, the deal or they felt the smart of, you know, they didn't feel good about being talked to. Um, so, yeah. You know, I find too that if you are very honest with the customers and say, Hey, you know, we'll match the group on price mm. because we have to pay group on a percent. Like it happened with somebody was one of my daughter's friends. She's 21 and her, her girlfriends wanted to come in and they're like, I'll just buy a group on. And I said, don't do that. <laughs> Let me take care of it. I'll give you the price. And that way I don't have to pay them a percent. Right. And it just, a lot of people don't understand that. I think if you just honestly tell somebody, Hey, I'm a mm. new business. I'm a single owner. We're not a franchise. We're not a big mm. corporation. You'll help us out. If you do want to come back, we'll match the Groupon deal, right? It, most reasonable people will do that and feel like they're helping you. Agreed. And I, if I may, Dylan, I think it's important to point out to people if they are considering using Groupon and they are learning all of their costs and what might work for them. I had spoken with uh, Jeremy Jacobs, who is in Texas, and he has a very specific uh, time when Groupons can be used. He limits it to one per new person. If you've floated there before, he doesn't allow it. Um, he, he has his costs down to the T. He's got spreadsheets. He understands his marketing very much and, like Gloria said, looks at it as a marketing cost and a, a branding association. And Part of his goal long term is to eventually not use Groupon when he feels he has enough of a name recognition out there where he can advertise less and eventually become a big uh, a big name in his area. But I, I found that to be really interesting. And that was, again, him <clears throat> excuse me, using Groupon instead of Groupon using him where he made it fit his needs. He has a different split than the 50-50. Mm -hmm. He limits how many he does who does it, when they can do it, and he's keeping his tanks full in introducing new people to floating and, like Gloria said, hopefully converting them once they're in the in the float shop to something else. I, I love that. I think that's great. And just to be on top of that, especially as a small business owner, that's that's quite a task. So for him to be doing that is fantastic. I, yeah, I love he's, that. Yeah, he's very, very bright. He is. It's, I think it's worth mentioning, too, and made me think of this through the market that you're in will also 
dictate mm-hmm. or, or should be part of your consideration on whether or not you use them. Because, you know, in Chicago, they're from Chicago. So Chicago has a huge, very astute audience of Groupon members who kind of used Groupon at one time for unique experiences, right? I remember when I first bought my first Groupon as a, as a consumer, I looked on there and tried to find things that were different and cool or concerts, things that were more experience-based. If you're in some market that does not have that penetration, they don't have the number of impressions, I would weight the Groupon effectiveness much differently, right? Mm. So, and it just depends. Are you already full? Right? Why, why sure. would you do the Groupon if you're already full? You know, again, use it and not be used and factor all those things in because it's not the same in every market. And, you know, some people just don't have the capacity to, to handle it to your point about the cupcakes earlier. You know, make sure you manage the amount of offers mm-hmm. that you've got. Otherwise, you'll be over one or you'll cannibalize your paying customers. Cannibalizing your paying customers. That's yeah. a really good point. Yeah. yeah. And you don't have to be at 100% capacity to be cannibalizing, especially like Drew mentioned that you can say, you know, only Mondays and Tuesdays, you can use it maybe on a slower time. But if all the Grouponers are coming in on a Friday and Saturday night, that's that could be your time to shine right. when you have the most paying customers coming in. So yeah, those are definitely things to think about. Um, on just one final note, I would just like to mention that I don't know of any other advertising that physically bring somebody into your store to experience your product. So as far as marketing goes, billboards, Facebook targeting, all that stuff, having somebody in your space seems incredibly valuable to me. And it might be a particular demographic. Um, as, as I mentioned before, a lot of people think group hunters are, are deal seekers. And so maybe it is skewed to that direction. But my God, to be able to face, face-to-face connect with somebody, to be able to have another sale from, you know, nobody leaves and then buys a starter pack. They, they buy it right there on the spot. So, um, man, uh, it, it is a, what they offer, everything else aside, is an incredible thing, um, in my opinion. But, uh, but <laughs> Drew, I will let you have the final word here. Let's... I want to say that if you're using Groupon, I love you. I don't think <laughs> that you are doing anything wrong to the industry. I think you are trying the best that you can And I think it's a hard topic to talk about, especially in the float collective. And I just want people to know that if they're using Groupon from our standpoint, I just hope they did the research and they're using it in a way that works for them. And I don't think that they're bad for the, for the industry by using Groupon. I don't think that they're horrible people. I think that they're doing the best they can with the the tools that they have. And if that's one of them, I hope it works for them. Hmm, that's interesting because you were you're messaging me earlier that I'm spineless and a schmuck, all these things during the show. That's really weird. Oh, but that's the persona you want to put out there. Okay, I see. That's all. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I don't think anybody here truly has uh, a dog in the fight of which way that you go. We just yeah. have our experiences. And we, we might have some, you know, angst in one way or the other, some some energy, but not, uh, no judgment. Absolutely not judgment. Well, on that note, Drew, I'm curious because I did not realize that you were the person who posted that (laughs) about the conference. And that makes me laugh because I was, I was literally going to go look that up. Um, so what's your position now after this podcast? Like what, what would be your feeling knowing that there's a lot of people out there? I mean, I know what my opinion is. What has your opinion changed or, and do you think it's a good idea to literally ban them from the from the conference 
I do. I stand by that. <laughs> I do. And I tell you, because if someone wants to use Groupon, they can easily find Groupon. I think that Groupon has, they, there was a perfect storm for our industry of people who are new to the business, who are really nice, who really want peace, love, and happiness. I think there's a lot of that in our industry. And I think that gets taken advantage of. And I think one of the things that someone had said on there, maybe it was Dan, that that's a way to send a message that the tactics you're using with our industry are unacceptable. And I'm not saying ban them forever, but maybe there's a way to They're in the tell penalty them. box. Put them in the penalty <laughs> box. Give them, a, like, give them a cool down period and say, hey, as a community, we don't like how you're doing this. Yeah. You know, it's the repeated what some people perceive as harassment. And I think yeah. that sends a strong message. And I'm not saying ban them forever, but in my opinion, I think, yeah, I do. It's, to I like me, I'd love to, I'd love to have like almost like a dunk tank where we have a <laughs> shot and then, you know, we literally get to go fire questions at them. Because I think, yeah. you know, behind the walls of social media, we're all real badasses, right? And they're pretty okay. slimy. But when you get human beings together, you know, you mm. can actually work through and... I'm such an optimist, right? But I, yeah, I think just, actually, Gloria, I don't see it going all. <laughs> I just think having, you know, it's it's not in the spirit of what I would think would be the right thing to do to completely ban them. But yeah, I think it's important to send a message about those tactics for sure. I don't know that I agree that's the best tact because I, I think that there's benefits to to both sides. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, uh, you know how things shake out in terms of the, the relationships. But, sure. you know, I don't want to let one or two reps kind of paint the whole picture, mm. you know. But to, to twist Gloria's words a little bit, uh, I feel like banning them, like you said, for a year could be training them, right? Like we have documented proof that you guys are being abusive, so you're not welcome in our community. And like... Now, not just your words, but in, in my words, like we do like to think of ourselves as a as a community, as a collective. And if somebody in your community was getting harassed by somebody or wasn't treating them fairly, you wouldn't say like, well, you can still have the space to talk with them because they've got some really good stuff. You know, like he's not a good guy, but, you know, he's got the nice car. OK, terrible analogy. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's not about working around it. It's like, hey, you need to bring yourself to this game better if you want to play. Um, I think that's interesting. I, I um, didn't know where I stood before we started recording tonight, but uh, maybe a ban is the right thing. On the other hand, I really want the float conference to make money. And with it being the, the whole new float conference, um, I, I really want them, really, really want them to be in the black so that there are more float conferences in the future. <laughs> and that adds an interesting dynamic, Dylan, because it is money and it is money that's needed. And how do you make up that difference? So then, you know, at what point do you weigh... The money versus a message, maybe, and I, yeah, you know, yeah, and and does know. it does it become then does the float conference become less of what it was if if there is compromising to to you know even exist, but it's not um, this shining beacon because you know Yelp and Groupon and, and maybe some other companies say, get to. If you are judge and jury for one, there's there's three companies I can think of off the top yes. of my head. We should we also ban right that you it's know. interesting yeah so i think i think that's a weird position to put that group you know the group in to make that decision um <laughs> but yeah it, doesn't it seem like the group kind of self-polices a little bit anyway 
the yeah. Float Collective for the, sure. The collective. As 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 an industry, the kind you know, the industry kind of, yeah, of helps course. police yeah. itself. So yeah. I, in my opinion, I think this is actually I'm not saying it as much, but I think it's actually a big moment in the in the industry of floating and how you try to keep out the stuff that generally everyone agrees we don't want in, which is that kind of um slimy the tactics imagine if we all started undercutting each other and bad-mouthing each other and you know i think this is a big moment of we get to take control of our industry and not a lot of industries get to do that mm-hmm. when outside influences become involved so I, I i'm not i don't have to make that decision i brought it up i just kind of <laughs> lit the fire a little bit so there's a group <laughs> of people that have to make that decision and yeah. i don't know if they think it's important but in my just sitting from my perspective i think it's a it's a big moment in our industry and i hope they do take it serious I love it. Thank you guys so much. Before we close out, I want to give a shout out to our friends at Float Away. These guys have been working with us for, jeez, three years now. I've said it before, but uh, they they became friends with the float shop before we ever opened. We got a used Tranquility float tank, and they helped us set up this this old float tank that had a lot of a lot of issues, and uh, we really got it back back up to snuff. And um, that was you know, for so long, they were helping us out and troubleshooting and just helping us with our float center in general, without ever taking a dollar from us. And since then, you know, we've upgraded our float tank, we've got a new tranquility float tank with starlights in the ceiling, that's absolutely beautiful. And they make these absolutely beautiful float tanks, float arounds, float cabins, the tranquility with buttons to open and close it starlights in the ceilings, they they're really customizable as well for the type of float center you're trying to build. They're these really beautiful float tanks, but also the really beautiful people behind the float tanks too that really care for you they care about the float these are passionate floaters wonderful people floataway.com is where you want to go to get started highly recommend it this groupon conversation is not over i guarantee you we will have another groupon episode (laughs) not too far down the line but uh gloria drew kim thank you guys so much brian behind the scenes thank you guys so much Uh, and until next week we'll see you again